This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 podcast, and I'm joined by Kendall Kout, who is a fantastic writer and commentator on all things basketball and, and other things as well. He's done some football, and he'll throw in some political commentary every once in a while. Uh, life advice, relationship advice, pretty much everything, right? Hey, Kendall, good to have you on. Uh, thank you, Ashley. I, yeah, I, I try to be a renaissance man, but um, I'm just happy to be alive after Vegas. <laughs> so I want to hear about Vegas. Um, I, you know, I remember like hanging out with you in Indianapolis, and, and there was this real wholesome, nice uh, Midwestern girl that uh, we were trying to set the table for you to have um, a good night with. And, and she turned out not, not being as, as uh, all-American uh, girl next door as we thought she might have been at the beginning of the night. I, I take it from your experience with her later. Uh, did you have any experiences like that in Vegas that you would, would like to share with the listening audience? Uh, no, you know, I, uh, I probably – I think you told that story um, the less wholesome version of that story um, once uh, – <laughs> friend of the new podcast uh sarah and did you tell her husband as well ashley oh i think i did did they did they uh did they corner you and, and kind of go over that story with you <laughs> they did not, but i think i remember you telling me that sarah i can't remember if it was sarah who it was uh said you know if kendall would just meet a nice girl at church <laughs> yes yes that, that uh, was true I, it's all coming back to me now yep uh, no, nothing like that in Vegas. It was too crazy. Uh, fairly wholesome. You know, we lost some money in poker. Yeah. Um, we saw David Copperfield. That was chill. Yeah. Uh, had some good food, got some steps in, saw Brian and Kristen. So really good experience. Uh, really, uh, Stephen, uh, and I don't, do you pronounce his name? Do you know Stephen Swinton or Swinton from Fort Worth? Yeah. I, Swinton, I think is how you pronounce it. He'll probably okay. correct See, me. I, after. I feel like a scrub for not knowing how to pronounce his name. Yeah. I got with him a lot great dude yeah uh great member of the site so heck of a time in vegas uh but a more wholesome trip than you would maybe have expected from me in vegas <laughs> good to hear well let's let's turn the page to basketball um so you saw some high level action did you go to all the games or did you just go to the baylor games uh mainly just the baylor game so i saw a second half of illinois virginia and then after baylor lost the first game to um virginia i had to do kind of media related stuff so i did not stick around to watch the other game Gotcha. Yeah. And then, and then you, uh, did, you just went to the Baylor game on Sunday. You didn't go to the championship game, right? I saw the second half of that game. Oh, you said that earlier. Um, did, so, so the, um, one ticket like, uh, gave you like all sessions, right? You could go to both games and stick around for both. Yep. You could do both. And then media was kind of strange, uh, where like, they kept moving people around, so I was just like, ah, I don't want to get moved. I just want to sit in my spot. So I sat by uh, Pat Nunley and David Kay, who were doing the radio, so that was right. good to talk with them as well. Very good. So, so you know, I know a lot of times the perspective being there in person is different from, you know, watching on television. Uh, you know, what, what, what did you see? Like, any, like, takeaways, maybe body language, like – uh, intensity from certain guys. I mean, any anything come to mind as far as that's concerned? I think the best intensity thing that I saw was that Keontae George just really, really cares. Right. And the one-and-done guys, I think, sometimes are ready to cash a check immediately. Maybe some of those guys get caught up in overtime elite or the G League now, and so maybe they're not coming to college. But Keontae looked like he was about to cry when he fouled out of one of the games. And then him and Flo were having a pretty – animated conversation about whether Flo was supposed to cut or not on a pass. And so the good sign for Keontae, 
even though he didn't shoot real well this weekend, especially in the second game against UCLA, is if you could really pick up in the arena just like how much that guy cares and wants to win. Yeah, I, I've, I've noticed that too, and that is a very encouraging sign. And, you know, I, I went back and watched um, the, the, the game against uh, UCLA, or at least the highlight version. And you know, one thing I noticed, even though he was not hitting shots, he, he was a little sloppy with the basketball at times, and he was against Virginia as well. Um, he, he made some terrific passes. And, and, you know, one thing I love that he does is he uses his left hand so well on those drives to the basket, and, and I think that can be a real weapon uh, for him, you know, because he's, he, he's real decisive and, and he's big enough and strong enough to finish, you know, through contact at the rim. Uh, so I think, you know, be, not settling for three-pointers, especially when his shot's not falling and, and getting to the rim can be a real asset because he hits his free throws at a really high clip. Uh, but but the, but the pass he made to L.J. Cryer, do you remember the play I'm talking about where he, where he found him in the corner and, and L.J. just uh, was able to, you know, hit the, the corner three-point uh, shot in the second half, I thought was a was a high high level pass, and and he's made a bunch of those. I mean, he's he's been impressive in that area. Yeah, he's a really elite passer. Maybe his three point percentage is more like thirty two to thirty five percent this year. Yeah, but he oh, win a game or two just driving to the hoop late in the game where right. the team won't be able to stop him. And you hope that for Baylor season, that's maybe in Austin he does that, or uh, maybe against KU in the Big Twelve tournament. But he's a dominant good player, and there are other guys you may worry about on the team. Think. Oh God, is this shot going to come back? But if LJ Cryer, Keontae George, and Adam Flagler stay healthy all season, Baylor lock it in. We'll have a top three offense all year. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, you know, certainly, I think uh, Jalen Bridges didn't shoot the ball well. He hadn't shot the ball well from three, mainly because of Vegas uh, so far this this season. Uh, but you know, we know he's capable, and his form is really good. I think you mentioned in your write up on Vegas that. His, you know, he's he's 100% from the foul line this year, or or, or close to it, right? Maybe maybe 100% this year from the I foul think line. He might be 14 of 14 from the line. Yeah. Okay. So that's typically representative of of a good shot, uh, good form. And so, you know, I, I think once he just gets adjusted to playing with with these guards, I mean, we've got to keep in mind. I, I said this on the post game podcast with Larry Gatewood, but these guards, Adam Flagler, Dale Bonner. And um, even Langston Love last year, some, you know, and, and you know, they played together. And uh, L.J. Cryer, of course. Uh, but but the, the, the pieces in the front court other than Flo Thomba are new, you know, and, and Zach and Jordan, who, you know, Jordan's been injured. Uh, but but you got, you know, Jalen Bridges, you got um, Caleb Lohner, and you got Joshua uh, Ojewuna. You know, all, all those guys have not played with this backcourt. So it just takes time to get that chemistry and, and the rhythm knowing, you know, where guys are going to be at game speed. I, I think that has a lot to do with some of the struggles. I do too. And I get there ways you could look at the offense and say, Hey, can it get better? Or I'm worried about this thing. But I like when Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander do their podcast. And they make the like note, the comments, like, you know, the thing about the tournament is you got to find 68 teams or final four has got to have four teams. Like the cliches <laughs> are like, yeah, obviously that's true. Right. And so the cliche for Baylor basketball is often just like, well, you got to remember it's a 40 minute game. Right. And so, even if Baylor doesn't score for like six minutes or they go two of 11 from three for a stretch, doesn't matter, right? 40-minute right. game, they're eventually going to hit like four out of five threes or like the end of the game against UCLA, it was just like, I thought UCLA played really good defense. Yeah. And what I think is frustrating about basketball and my uh, brother-in-law, who I'll see at Thanksgiving, shouts to my brother-in-law, uh, has, a good, has a good point about, I think the best critique of the NBA is just like, 
you can play the exact perfect defense and do everything right, and it just doesn't matter because the guys are so skilled. Yeah. And that's kind of what it's like, I think, defending the Baylor backcourt, where that final possession where Adam Flagler scored the three, there is nothing UCLA could have done against that three. And then you also are like, okay, well, do we double him? No, because you got Keontae George. Oh, do we leave LJ Cryer? No, you can't do that. I mean, this backcourt is almost unstoppable to defend. And if they're making threes, it's just like Baylor has to just be semi-confident to win games if they're hitting threes at a good rate. Yeah, I agree. Defensively, you know, what are you seeing? Like, um, you know, I know there's some consternation about that. I don't really have it. I mean, I think I think we're going to be a top 20, top 15 defense when all said and done. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's, you know, the Virginia game, um, you know, we'll see if that is a trend against better teams. I, I we'll, we'll know next week, right, because we, we're going to play a Gonzaga team that, that can carve you up uh, if, if you don't bring it defensively. Uh, but but I but I look at the effort, you know. I, I look at the um, communication. I look at the intensity, and and I think we have the makings of a really good defensive team. Do Do you agree with that, or do you think uh, is that a concern for you? It is the number one concern for me. Uh, I think there is that world where Baylor has a really good defense, and I know critiquing myself again. It's like, oh great, your take is it's possible, it's not possible. Oh wow, right. wake up, everything's possible. What the hell are you even saying, man? <laughs> Um, and that'll be as much as we cuss in the podcast is saying hell once. Yeah. And I guess now twice referencing it. Oh my God, we're, we've already broken the taboo on that word. Um, I, I think there is legitimate reason to be concerned about the defense uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, first is that Baylor's guards are not that big at some spots. Now, Keontae, uh, LJ, Adam, it's not like you're rolling out Tyler Harris out there or, you know, shouts to Stargell Love, who we've probably mentioned on Baylor podcast. We're the same people all the time. Like, I don't know why we always do, but we have yeah, to. Of course. Uh, there aren't a lot of teams like UCLA that have a homie hotkeys that can post you up like that. Right. But that's a, that's a threat for Baylor. And there aren't a lot of teams like Virginia that have good passing mobile bigs and a coach that can design motion that effectively. And then even with Kihi Clark undersized can drive that well. So yeah, those are two elite teams that you were, that you may not face that exact combination of offense, but I'm a little concerned that Baylor's guards aren't just gigantic so they can be posted up a little bit. And that Caleb Lohner has to be a little bit better on the perimeter if he's going to switch on to guys. And then Josh O is not always in the right spot. Certainly on offense, he's often not in the right spot to set screens. Uh, that was one thing at the game. Like, both back-to-back -back times down, they were kind of yelling at him, like, Josh, you're supposed to set the screen here right now. Right. Uh, so I think it is fair to wonder. And if we look back to the season and say, hey, Baylor ended up like a three-seed or Baylor got bounced in the round of 32 or Sweet 16 – I think it is much more likely Baylor gets bounced by having a bad defensive day than Baylor went two of 28 from three. Uh, do you disagree with that, Ashley? Kind of concern level, what is your concern, like one to ten with the defense? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that sometimes a great offense can be a little bit of a uh, – deceptive thing on defense uh you know and, and i and i i remember alvin brooks saying this you know that kind of alluding to it in the podcast that i had with him that our guys know when to expend energy and, and know when to conserve energy and, and that's a da dangerous mindset defensively because uh as scott drew says and every coach says this is that you know you're you can't always control whether the shot goes in or in or not but you can always control your rebounding effort and your in your defensive effort um so i you know i i think rebounding actually has been encouraging um right now they're top 20 in offensive rebounding they've been top 10 
every year for like the last 10 or 11 years. Uh, but they're 71st in defensive rebounding. And I know that was a big emphasis. Um, you know, you look at the defensive stats and, and two things kind of stick out to you. They're allowing 36% from three-point range. And, and a lot of that has to do with Virginia making what's uh, 9 to 14 or something like that. So that, that certainly skews the stats that way. But they're also sending people to the line. Uh, you know, they're three 327th in um, free throw attempts uh, divided by field goal attempts, you know. So so I think I think that, uh, you know, historically they've been pretty good at not fouling and sending people to the foul line. And, and they've, you know, certainly defended the three-point line better than what they've defended it so far this year. So – so if they can if they can continue to to do a good job turning teams over and and hitting the defensive glass hard, you know I I, I feel really good about their chances of of those defensive stats improving dramatically, uh, because I don't think many teams are going to shoot, especially in the Big Twelve where no teams can shoot, you know high percentage of three point uh, you know thirty six percent seems like a really really high percentage. I, I would I would imagine that's going to gravitate closer to that thirty two percent thirty three percent. Yep, I think the three point number is. Definitely inflated. Virginia, I don't think we'll go nine of fourteen the rest of the season. I mean, they were one of two for three in the first half, and then just made some ridiculous threes in the second half. But I think that Baylor is not always there with the help where it needs to be. And then I did not see guys always what they sometimes refer to as Xing out onto the perimeter as fast as you'd like, or big men being in the right spots when they'd have to kind of put two men on the ball for their defense. It just wasn't there. So that two point percentage does concern me. That's 155th right now in the country. So yeah. I think three point percentage drops, but this is not going to be a top five defense. But Miller no. needs to really get to about 20 to feel like they've got a good shot to win the title because the offense is going to be top three. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, their free throw percentage defense hasn't been real good either. It's a, they're giving up 73% at the free throw line, 261 nationally. So that needs to improve as well. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Of course, that that is sending the right people to the to the foul line uh, more than yep. anything. Uh, who who would who would those people be? Obviously, everyone on TCU probably, except for Mike Miles. Most of the Texas team, maybe not some of the guards, but 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 you would want to send guys like uh, Dylan Mitchell to the foul line. Um, you know, Christian Bishop, Dylan D- Disu. I mean, Disu. Those guys. You know, you want to send them to the, to the foul line. I guess. I guess. In reality, you probably want to be sending big guys to the foul line and and and, and stay away from fouling the guards. In a nutshell. Yeah, te- I mean Texas has been better than I thought so far, um, so we'll see if it lasts and if they just pop Gonzaga on the right night. Yeah. I mean Virginia and Texas have kind of the same thing right now, where you get to wonder, are these teams actually good three point shooting teams? If yes, they're top five teams. If no, right, uh, they're top fifteen teams. Right. I agree with that. Uh, who else has impressed you? I'm watching Creighton in uh, Arkansas right now, and Creighton's almost got him doubled up. Um, I, you know, I think I think Creighton's going to win this uh, Maui Invitational. Um, all right, have you seen them play? Have you like who who have you watched besides Texas and and Kansas and Gonzaga and you know who do you like so far? I think Creighton's okay. It was a good one against um, Texas Tech, but I got to see him play more teams. I got to see if that defense is for real long term. Yeah, uh, I think. Houston is definitively good. Right. Uh, I was holding out some hope that maybe that wouldn't be true uh, just because I don't like all the Texas teams to be good. <laughs> but uh, I think they're really good. I think they'll be in the final four. And I, I still have Baylor in the final four, but I think they're going to be there as well. Uh, Tennessee, I think, is really good. 
I kind of wonder about this Arkansas crew. They got smoked in their uh, secret or their exhibition game they played. Yeah. And they're really reliant upon freshmen. And, you know, your freshmen can be good most of the time, but it's just such a struggle to play this many college games when you can kind of half soul it, if you will, to avoid cussing again <laughs> in the AAU right. circuit and the EBYL. <laughs> so right. I don't really trust them. I kind of think Kentucky's going to figure it out eventually, but they've probably been the most disappointing team, although you can be like, well, Michigan State and Gonzaga are good losses, but there's just not a lot to watch Kentucky where you feel like it's a very tough team. Like, they seem very soft to me, right. which is strange when you have Oscar Sheebway to feel that way, but losing that Michigan State game screams softness, and then once they got kind of punched in the mouth in Spokane, I wasn't impressed at all, so yeah. I don't know if Cal just doesn't have the fire he once had or what's going on, but Kentucky, to me, is the most disappointing team in the country right now. Yeah, and, and and I think it's maybe the Titus and Tate podcast, but they're talking about how like Calipari is like almost sending out a video like every few days about be patient with us, like like uh, you know to the Kentucky fan base, and they're like, what what's going on here? Like you got the returning player of the year, you got experience at guard, you've got you know some older guys, you got you got five star freshmen, like why are we like? sending out these videos, be, be patient with us, you know, and this is before they were losing. This is before they lost the Gonzaga game. And, and who, who beat them? Who was the first loss to? Uh, Kansas. Michigan State. They oh, Michigan State. Like Michigan State. Well That's hand. right. Yeah. And just couldn't stop them at all down the stretch. Right. And right. Really Kentucky, like Kassan Wallace was a guy that every like uh, college in the country wanted. Sure. And then she was the returning player of the year. Like there's just no excuse to come out kind of soft in some of these games when you got Balanced by St. Peter's in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is kind of baffling, but but you know the talent level is too much for them to to really struggle. Um, how do you see these games next week? You know, McNeese State tomorrow should be uninteresting. Let's hope uh, they're number three fifty one in Ken Palm and and Baylor's. Uh, they got Baylor uh, ninety three to fifty nine as as a projected favorite, ninety nine point nine percent chance of winning. But next week it gets interesting at Marquette. Uh, Ken Palm's got that one, 82 to 75. So 73% chance of Baylor winning. And then the matchup with Gonzaga is kind of a toss up. Uh, Ken Palm's got an 84, 82 Gonzaga, you know, 44% chance of Baylor winning. So, um, what are you looking for in those two contests and, and what does Baylor need to do to, to get out of next week with two wins? So are we cool to just skip over McNeese state? Yes. Yeah. And no disrespect. Also, just for the podcast going forward, I know Tarleton state's one fifty nine. Uh, I, I don't know that that's actually real. So we're just going to go ahead and skip over Tarleton State, uh, Northwestern State, and Nichols State, whenever that comes up. So uh, my like one critique of Baylor basketball right now, despite how good the schedule is at the top, I know this sometimes pisses people off, is there's just too many of these games. Like we, I, I know people don't want to critique them. The schedule is really great at the top. But like it'd be something to just play UNT or just – Wofford or somebody else, but I'm like, I just, I, I, I know too much about, you know, Prairie View, A&M, Texas Southern, Southern, Grambling, and I know you, you don't want to, it's fine, actually, you don't have to get the, you know, the anger that I'm going to get for saying this, but like, we, we get like 1,500 fans to go to these games, I just don't think it serves any purpose anymore, the one 18 straight games was a great streak, it's going to live, even if Baylor schedules three more, like, <laughs> 10 Palm 100 to 150 teams, right. and just, like, oh my god, that game won against Mississippi Valley State, it was like the the humanity that allowed this game to take place. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I got to go on a rant about it. I, I try to be objective when I can, and I'm just like, I just, I, I, I'm getting older. I'm getting older. I don't have it in me to watch some of these games anymore where it's just like, oh, yeah, 
Zach Loveday could take this guy off the bounce and yam it in his face. Uh, and I think Zach's having a good season, but I'm just like, we, we don't need to see this. We don't need to see this. It doesn't need to happen. Uh, so, Rams aside, Marquette game. Uh, I think Baylor's a pretty strong favorite in this game. Uh, Scott Drew kind of owns Shaka Smart's soul and game. <laughs> so I would expect Baylor to play very well in that one. And then the Gonzaga game. I, I'm not, I don't know that I have a second rant on the podcast right now beyond just why we have to play this game in South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't understand. Like I get I was even talking to um someone in the program, they were like, No, the NIL opportunity we can be on Peacock. Yeah. And I'm like, would the, would Peacock not allow the game to take place if it occurred in Dallas or Seattle? Or if this had to be a neutral site, could we not play in Chicago, New York, LA, Las Vegas, Miami, literally any place in the world besides South Dakota. Um I do so, I do wonder, um and I don't I don't have the answer to this and maybe it's something we need to research, but my understanding is the state of Washington and the state of um, Texas has similar NIL laws. And so they allow you to do a neutral site game and share that money part of the money with, with uh, the athletes. And so that's why Baylor's playing Washington state in Dallas. And I wonder if there, there are certain states where you have to play these neutral games uh, so maybe Gonzaga was like, well, we're not going to come to Dallas and Baylor didn't want to go to Washington. Uh, so maybe South Carolina, uh, South Dakota is one of those other states that, that has the laws that allow you to do it. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking out loud here. Cause, cause yeah, on the surface, it doesn't make much sense. Um, you know, of, of all the places to play a, a neutral game, South Dakota in the winter time <laughs> does, doesn't make, make a whole lot of uh, sense from, from logic standpoint, unless there's another reason, you know, like, like I just said, mentioned uh, state laws, you know, allowing you to do it within the framework of an NIL game. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like it's, it's gotta be something like that. I would think. I'm hoping I can just like meet the love of my life in South Dakota on Friday <laughs> evening after covering this game so that like somebody from the program can like message me and be like, you bum, you call us out for scheduling four joke programs a year. <laughs> and then you tell us we're losers for coming to South Dakota. I'm not saying you're losers. I'm just saying like, yes, these are very first world complaints, but there are 45 other states that I think everyone objectively would say are better than South Dakota. <laughs> um, why can't we go to one of those? I do. I, like, would, I, I would love to go to South Dakota in the summertime. I, I'm not, I'm not as excited about going to South Dakota in December. Uh, but I've heard I've heard it's beautiful uh, as parts of it. And, in the, in the, you know, as, as you get closer uh, to Montana and, and you know, the, the those uh, the mountains or the hills, you know, uh, over Wyoming and so forth. I, I heard there's some really beautiful spots. Um, all right. As you get closer to leaving the state, it almost gets good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We got to give some respect to the swag. I mean, you, you've been dishing on the swag and we got We got to go through a little resume uh, experience here. Texas Southern. They they beat Arizona State, okay. At uh, that was that was a home game, yeah, because because the Pac-12s uh, taking their lumps like like men, and they're they're going to these campuses and, and losing games at home. Uh, Washington State, who Baylor plays, um, they they played uh, at Prairie View A and M, and Prairie View A and M beat them seventy to fifty nine. It, it's crazy, you know. Just it just shows you how tough road games are. You know, some of these results here, uh, of course, Colorado goes to Grambling State and, and they lose 83 to 74. Arkansas Pine Bluff um, 
they took TCU to the wire, seventy-three to seventy-two, but they they end up losing that game. And then, um, who am I leaving out? Who who did who did TCU end up losing to? I don't even remember. Was that? Oh God, yeah, I can't remember either. Because uh, Oklahoma lost to Houston Baptist, right? Uh, they or, oh Northwestern State is who TCU lost to. So not yeah, not who, a swag team. Uh, OU lost to Sam Houston State. Okay. Yeah, and and they and they struggle with uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff also. Sam Houston State, who, who's actually a top one hundred Ken Palm team. Uh, Sam Sam Houston State also has win a win against uh, Utah. Uh, so they you know by ten points. So so they've been doing work. Um, yeah, but I mean you know the SWAC. I, I, I mean to your point, the SWAC is normally a guaranteed win. Uh, I remember the story that uh, Macy Oteek and Jared Butler told. Uh, they when they were sitting out their redshirt year and and Scott Drew you know put on the board after after losing to Texas Southern something like uh, you know forty eight and one and just said congratulations you're the first team to lose to a SWAC team and then just walked out <laughs> of the locker room uh, so so I I do know that um, you know losing to a SWAC team is is not what you sign up for when you when when you when you uh, do those buy games but uh, certainly the Pac twelve has has taken their share of lumps against the SWAC this year. Yeah, I. Yeah, I just we, we got to stop playing these games. I look, I, I. We've seen some of them. I, I took a girl on a um, date to that Italian joint they used to have by Diamondbacks. We went and watched a SWAT game back in the day. That woman did not eventually become Mrs. Cout. So, you know, I don't know. I have fond memories though of the time we spent together at, at that SWAT game. But maybe that's why I'm just ready to end them. But it, they've got to end. Yeah, I, I mean. You know, you look at Kansas, for example, and uh, Kansas plays Nebraska-Omaha. That's a 334 Ken Palm team. But then they only have a total of four uh, games that are over 200. Uh, you know, they have Nebraska-Omaha. They've got North Dakota State. They've got Texas Southern, SWAC team, and they got Harvard. And obviously they didn't expect Harvard to be that bad, probably when they scheduled them. Uh, but you compare that to – to Baylor and uh, Baylor is playing a, a really hard non-conference schedule, but they've got one, two, three, four, five. Well, just five to Kansas is four, uh, you know, 200 plus teams, nickel state, Northwestern state, McNeese state and Mississippi Valley state. So, uh, you know, technically, and then Northern Colorado is the other one. And, and Northern Colorado is top 200 to start the season. So, so technically, uh, Mississippi Valley State's the only SWAC team they play this year. Yeah, it's we're gonna. This was my movement when Baylor only plays two of these games a year, and people in the pavilion are happy. Yeah, I, I want to be thanked for this right. because I, I'm I'm the starter of this movement, <laughs> and it's it's gonna happen. I I can look forward to when Baylor's pounding UNT or something like that, or Rice. Like, just beat the crap out of Rice. Yeah, that, that can happen. I believe it can happen. Very good. Well. I don't know what else to talk about. Uh, we, we got some requests to do these once a week, and uh, this is our first one, so we'll, we'll do it next week. I'm, we'll have a lot more to talk about as, you know, probably after the uh, Marquette game and to, um, you know, look at uh, the preview of the, the Gonzaga game. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have a lot more to discuss. But uh, good to hear from you, Kendall, and uh, get your perspectives on uh, Vegas. And uh, you got any other thoughts before we sign off? I think my attack on Rice – uh, may have been too harsh. I want to apologize to the Owls. 
that's it for my thoughts. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to a Sikkim 365 basketball podcast with Ashley Hodge and Kendall Couch, Sikkim Bears.